0: Up close with Carlos Sang, celebrating art, entertainment, and the human spirit. Uh, welcome to another episode of Up Close with Carlos Saying My next guest is one of the most exciting new graduates to join the musical theatre scene. He was a finalist at the Stephen Sondheim Student Performer of the Year Awards last year, and he is joining us today. Uh, I am so excited to be able to introduce uh, Cassius Hackforth to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. No
1: worries. Thank you so much for
0: having me. Um, yeah. So the first time I came across you was at Spotty's, the Stephen Sondheim Student Performer of the Year, um, where you were a finalist. Um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, what it was like, you know, auditioning, and you know, what was it like, you know, being there on the night? Um, it was
1: so incredible. Uh, I can't even describe how grateful I am to have been able to have done it because it was something that when I auditioned for drama school when I was 17 is it was something that, that that was the long goal um was to be able to do something like that because I had a friend who had won it and he was uh, someone that I performed with and I kind of really looked up to him and obviously Sondheim was kind of my first introduction into musical theatre so seeing the type of performers that had, that had done it and they were the type of people that in, had inspired me growing up and so being able to audition for it was and actually that year it was all done online for the first first year so there were for there were about 500 applicants I think um or something along that those lines but when I auditioned for it I you know I just decided I was either gonna give it everything or not do it and I literally threw my whole soul at it really um and when I just remember when I got that email it was crazily exciting um and then obviously doing the show was crazy just just being able to perform in front of these people that I'd watched growing up, you know, it was so special. And I felt like a winner, you know. Um just being getting to the final twelve it was just incredible. And I will I think it will probably be one of the most memorable evenings of of my life, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember reading in the programme that you were really inspired by Jenna Russell, who was hosting that evening. Um did you manage to, you yeah. know, chat to her as well, you know, after the show and, you know, um tell yeah. her about her influence on you.
1: Yeah, no, I, I managed to speak to Jenna before and after the show uh, and we've kind of got quite a, a, a mutual connection because my uh, my cousin Robin, who I've kind of grown up with, he went to school with, with her husband and uh, so I'd kind of seen him in some shows and obviously Jenna was, I saw in uh, all of her shows were just, uh, and everything she's done has been incredible and utterly um, heartbreaking in so many ways. <laughs> and so being able to to speak to her and then to watch her perform from the sides of the stage it was phenomenal and yeah no it was a very it was quite poignant that she was hosting actually yeah
0: yeah um i know you spent a lot of time with nymt as well before you headed to trinity to train um i was curious you know did the experience training ended up being what you expected it to be you know having already you know performed so extensively previously
1: I'd so I'd say kind of when I when I auditioned for the National Youth Music Theatre, I was all I'd ever done was was amateur shows, and it was and I was like, right, this is the step that I want to go because, funnily enough, uh, a lot of people that had, I was performing with who were doing things like the Spotty, they'd done NYMT, so I thought, well, this is definitely the right step, um, and that was you know my first kind of glimpse into performing professionally, and so I think all of the stuff that I did, kind of working up to graduating drama school, um and just all of the I'm I'm very much a go-getter. I write to a lot of people. I, I I reach out to people. I I'm very I'm a firm believer in if you don't ask, you don't get. So I so I um pester quite a lot of people and and, and that's given me a lot of opportunities, uh, which has been incredible. So I'd say, well my training for me specifically was was really important, just um being able to to work on the things that I was already kind of strong at, but also the things I, w- I was weak at, you know, um, dance and all that stuff is, was never really my strong point, And it's never really going to be something that I'm going to do, but it was still good to be able to do that stuff and, and to have that training. And I really kind of got a good push when we went into the pandemic at the end of my first year, because I wasn't really, I didn't really, I, I don't think I was taking college seriously enough in the fact that I didn't really know where my strong points were, and I didn't really I was kind of still developing funny enough i I just turned eighteen and i my voice had only broken a couple of years prior, and so I was really much navigating where where I was and there was a teacher that gave me a really great kind of pep talk if you if you will if you'd like, and uh, from that you know i I kind of started to get my head down, and that's when I started doing a lot of the work at home. And uh, yeah, that made kind of third year and, and the, the the kind of year after become really, really great for me. I'm really, really lucky to have done some awesome things.
0: Yeah. Um, growing up in Llangollen as well, I was really curious about, you know, how did your, you know, love for musical theatre develop? You know, did acting always feel like a viable career option? And do you think you have to move to London, you know, to pursue this profession?
1: Yeah. So being in Llangollen, I, I don't know, like I the, the amateur and kind of school productions I did were that first kind of glimpse and that was so important, but Llangollen also has something called the international musicalized Southford where people from all over the world come perform like Pavarotti competed there, you know, the renowned singer and, you know, musical theater actors have, have gone there, you know, um, they did Sweeney Todd there, like a professional production um, with, I can't remember what his, what his name was. Um,
0: or was it was
1: a Bryn Yeah, Bryn Yeah. He performed. that. I remember that was my first audition, funnily enough. I was, 13 and audition for Tobias and that I'd never done anything properly. I don't I'd done like one show and I remember I just got so nervous. <laughs> and yeah, it was that was funny. Um but I think you don't need to be in London to to be able to pursue that, but it definitely helps. I, it feels like this is where it's at. Um apart from maybe other cities like Manchester, if you're doing more TV and film, there's a big TV and film base there. But um it was always gonna be London because that was where I where I'd always seeing what all these shows that I wanted to be in and all this stuff that I wanted to do so I, I feel like you, you've kind of got to come up to London uh at, for, at some point maybe not for your training there's some incredible training across the whole UK really um in Chester and Birmingham in you know Leeds Manchester there's so many options in Scotland but um I'd say kind of graduating for me it felt important to be up here
0: yeah, I mean, one of my favourite shows last year, of course, was From Here to Eternity. You know, I love the production, love the new musical arrangements. Um, yeah, when when can we expect the cast recording?
1: Ah, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. It was incredible. And, and you know, Nick um, Bass, the, the, the new orchestrator and uh, kind of arranger and su- supervisor, hmm. he created such a incredible sound with such a small amount of people and I think that was kind of one of the highlights, really, what he's done with the score, with the already amazing score. And uh, it, it just was an absolute delight to be able to be part of that. And we did the cast recording a couple of days after we we closed. And so by summertime, it will be out, hopefully. hopefully. And I, 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 I have no idea, so I don't know why I'm saying that, but I'm hoping that because I have a tiny little sneak listen to one of the songs and it is incredible
0: yeah i'm really looking forward to it i mean i was so glad i got to come and see it and it was so interesting you know seeing this show about you know world war ii during a time when we almost seem to be heading towards world war iii you know with everything that's going on um yeah did the current socio-political climate you know, impact the way that you approach the show and you know make you reconsider you know your thoughts on war as well mm,
1: yeah i mean it was very real i remember when we did the first rehearsal of um the, the actual pearl harbor attack. And it was really scary. And and our director really gave us such a great, you know, obviously we're really well supported in the room, but but also he kind of reminded us that, that these people were boys at the end of the day. They were they were just barely turning adults. And in the current climate, I mean it it's it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Um the it's that we I, I certainly during rehearsals kind of noticed the similarities and kind of the fear it did kind of hit home <laughs> and we did one of the shows on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor actually and that was very raw Um, and obviously being one of the soldiers I mean it just kind of makes you think that what's going on in Ukraine right now and you know the, this the history is repeating itself in a way and <laughs> that's mm. that's scary and yeah sad.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, um, I thought it was also really interesting, you know, just seeing how young the cast was for From Here to Eternity. You know, I feel like a lot of shows seem to be casting a lot younger these days. Um, Do you ever worry about there, you know, being perhaps a limit on, you know, what roles you can play before you hit Assassin's Age?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you looked at the original Western cast of From Here to Eternity, you would have seen that, like, the majority of these people were kind of, I'd say, more in their kind of mid, like, late 20s, maybe even early 30s. When I was in the audition room, I was kind of surrounded by a lot of people that I thought were much, you know, much more muscular, and kind of uh, built differently, and kind of, uh, and I was like, well, that that's kind of the the soldier that you know. How am I going to be kind of that? But from once we got into the rehearsal room, I kind of saw that it was wasn't about that. You know, there were soldiers that weren't muscular. There were soldiers that were missed home. Geeks in school and all that type of stuff, you know, and they they, they, they had no other choice to, en- to enlist because they they were in the you know the absolute shitholes of where they lived. They didn't they couldn't afford to live, so they had no other option but to enlist into the army. So you know that that's why there were lots of us who were much younger and kind of represented that kind of young age range, I guess. But it's genuinely down to the individual kind of the the types of parts that they're in for. You know, if there is someone who looks eighteen and 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 they're twenty eight then that's absolutely fine, you know, Um, and that they'll be in for those types of roles. Um, Just as much. I look like a 12 year old sometimes, you know, but um, I don't I I don't think it worries me that much. I think the industry is heading in the right direction, casting things uh, that suits today's kind of age and are accommodating to every gender and and are opening doors to people who are. You know, for, for transgender people, and they're giving people opportunities that that wouldn't necessarily have these opportunities in ten years ago. So, I think generally casting is going in the right direction. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. How much did you know about From Here to the Eternity as well before you went into the show? You know, there's only been, I think, one major production in the UK, and you know, obviously the film is you know, um, a very iconic film. So, you know, did you well, did you see it that before you went into the show as well? You know, how much did you know about it before?
1: Yeah, so I'd I'd being like someone who loved musical theatre and kind of I'd I'd heard of it before, I'd seen it, I'd like seen clips of it before online. When I saw the availability check come through for my agent, I was like, I remember saying, Oh, I know this, I, I recognize this. And then I looked it up and I was like, Oh wow, okay. This is Tim Rice and um and you know, Stuart Brayson. And so from when I got the audition through and I did the first audition and I just remember it was it was a really, really Great and a funny story about the audition process. When I auditioned, so I, I got through to the second round, and we did the second round was a dance uh, dance round as well as some scene work, and it was of like a like a sumo hit kind of movement dance kind of workshop kind of thing, and I really really struggled, and I came up and did the scene uh, for the for the team after it, and they said, "How did you find the dance?" And I was like, "Look." If you gave me another like 10-15 minutes I'd, I'd be able to smash that out of the park and they said okay come a, come again tomorrow and I came back the next day and did the call again and I don't think many people would give you that opportunity but they gave me that opportunity so I could work on something that I knew I could do and then I could show them that I could do it and that was kind of from for that moment I kind of was like wow that I really I really really want this this is Uh, an opportunity like no other really and Mm. so I read the book um I I got the book before my finals because there was about a month's gap in between uh the the finals and the 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 third round and the finals so yeah that's what I ended up doing I I read through the book and did all the notes we might even have it in here you know I've got a whole (laughs) book of that I do all the notes on um Wrote out all the type of stuff that my I kind of came up with kind of like what my type of character is based on kind of the vibe that I got in the room, so I could kind of conjure up something when we did the the kind of the scenes and the songs and yeah, so that was kind of my preparation for it and then yeah the book was the was the most important thing because the film was kind of changed quite a lot because the the book is quite raw and uncensored and and was the the uncensored version was actually released quite a long way um after it was initially released because of uh, you know the the homophobia that was going on in the in the US at the time and mm-hmm. um and the writer we we had a zoom call with the writer's daughter um during rehearsals and she kind of explained everything to us and it was really special to hear how these characters were all real and like there was a maggio and that he actually existed but he didn't die and all all this type of stuff that, that there was there that it was so interesting kind of divulging into all of that.
0: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, a show that I didn't manage to catch, unfortunately, but really wish I did was The Railway Children. Um, uh, yeah, I, I remember interviewing Alex Parker, you know, um, a little while back. And, you know, he's so passionate about musical theatre. And, you know, he's always at the centre of these amazing projects. Um, What was it like working together on this, you know, exciting new musical? And how did that opportunity come about?
1: Oh, it was incredible. Well, I like like I said, I'm quite I, I kind of write to a lot of people and towards the end of last year I decided I wanted to write to Alex Parker because I had see I'd heard and seen so many of their shows um and and I really just love his writing and he kind of put it really well to me That his type of golden age kind of music and just really pretty lovely like just umptuous British musical theatre is 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 just lovely it's kind of the type of music that you want to hear and, and they just do such a good job of doing that. Um, him and Katie. And so I wrote to him and I just said, Look, I've seen some of your shows. I saw that you're doing this type of show. If there was any part coming about, I'd absolutely love to audition for it. And initially I was going to play a part called Jim, who was just uh someone who was who was in act two, a really lovely part that was um that was played by my friend Jamie in the end. But it was about um, maybe like two weeks later, he said that the guy who was playing Peter had dropped out. And so I um I said well yeah okay of course I'd absolutely love to do it it was um I I sat on it for a couple of weeks just because I didn't know what was going on but then I just you know it, it had the chance to be able to do to, to do a premiere of of one of Alex's shows that is such a beautiful show was I just of course I couldn't turn it down so I um I, I did it it was incredible very very lucky to have been able to, to to have been a part of it and to have finally sung some of um his, him and Katie's kind of scores yeah.
0: Yeah, um, there's been some commentary as well about you know the lack of new British musicals being produced um over here. You know we see a lot of revivals, a lot of shows transferring from Broadway. Um, why do you think we don't see as many new British musicals as perhaps we would like?
1: Hmm, it seems so much harder in the UK to be able to produce and put on your own shows than it does um elsewhere. Kind of in America, that that that's the kind of there's so many more American musicals new musicals going up there that are you know wildly successful um and you know it just it only takes a moment to look at the type of shows that i stand right now like standing at the sky's edge and um like the bake-off musical they're they're two british musicals that are, couldn't be further apart and yet are both stunning and um the writing is just incredible i think it's just hard getting the opportunity uh you know i've got friends who have their own production companies and theater companies and who create stunning new writing um but getting that opportunity to put these these shows on is is very very hard and it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of people giving up their free time and you know and friends chipping in and helping out um and you know that that, that's I think it's just much harder for, for that to happen over here, and for it to be kind of supported, which is a shame, really. And I, I and I hope that that re- these recent musicals doing so well, like Sylvia, and Selling at the Sky's Edge, and you know these these British shows. I hope that's kind of a step forward in into the it becoming more accessible for for writers and young writers.
0: Yeah, I hope so definitely. Um you know, we recently saw the end of the Six Nations tournament as well and as you know, there's always regular reporting around, you know, football and other sporting events. Um do you think we'll ever see, you know, an equal focus for theatre and the arts as there is for sport?
1: Well, if you look at the UK, theatre and entertainment, you know, television, film, radio, theatre is is literally the backbone the arts is the backbone of our country mm. it, it, and you know football football we are also renowned for football as the UK but um I, I I mean just from the pandemic and seeing kind of the way that that arts workers were treated and how how the current government uh perceived us is a prime example of of the kind of discrimination and kind of just the disregard that that people have for us and the unsupport. You know, I've got friends who are working in the West End and are working another job to be able to get by. And and you know, um, I I think that the it will take a lot for it to be able to be up there because the arts is so important. But I don't think it's um appreciated enough by the people that we need to be appreciated by. The people who who fund us and who, and you know, who look out for us, um, you know, the audiences and, and alone can kind of prove how the work that we do is so important. But I would love to see a day where football and theatre are on the same page and it's treated with the same kind of love, but it would need a big shift. <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely um you've also previously really opened up about you know your past struggles with anorexia um you know what made you want to open up about such a personal story
1: um well because when I started struggling with uh with with an eating disorder I didn't really know anything about it and I when I kind of saw that this is what I what I had I was quite ashamed to speak out about it because just to speak to anyone about it really because I did not know any males especially, who'd talked about it. And so when I kind of got my diagnosis and started having treatment, uh, it was during my second year of drama school, which was was a really tough time. Um, and it was a really kind of uneasy time. But I kind of, with the help of the NHS, I was, I, I got through it and I, I'm now in recovery. I've I finished treatment almost a year ago and I'm much, you know, I'm, I'm back to my, my normal self now. But what is really important is... Just to be, I, for me, it just felt really important to be able to talk about it because, unfortunately, um, people are still dying of eating disorders and it's still not being talked about much, especially men in eating disorders. Um, the, the biggest charity in the UK beat, it was eating Disorders this week a couple of weeks ago, and their main topic was um men with eating disorders, which was really great for to be able to talk about that and to, um, to kind of share with them a story. So a lot, and a, so a lot of other men could maybe see it and. And know that they're not by themselves because it can very much feel isolating being a male with an eating disorder and just having an eating disorder in generally in general. Um, so yeah, no, I, I it kind of just felt like the right thing to do for me to be able to speak out about it because I'm not ashamed about it anymore. I'm I'm proud about it, and so I feel like I should speak about things that I'm proud of, and this type of thing is something that is important. So yeah it kind of felt just like the right thing to do
0: yeah absolutely it was you know very brave definitely you know how how challenging was it you know asking for help and you know did that you know did that come fairly naturally to
1: you um no and yes i was really lucky that i had a friend who kind of pointed out that my behaviors were kind of uh unhealthy and so once i kind of realized that and I kind of decided to write an email to someone. I think the hardest thing to do was kind of speaking to my nearest and dearest about it, kind of like my parents, and my friends, not because I was worried about what they were going to say. You know, I'm really lucky that I've got a great bubble around me, but it was more of just sharing something that is really affecting me and that that that's not like a necessarily a, a very physical thing. It's, you know, um, mental health and talking about mental health is even a couple of years ago was so much more rare than it is now. Um, And so it was really tough being able to do that. And and I think it's tough for for anyone to be able to do that. Um, But it was it was very important that I did so that I could kind of get the help that I needed. And yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about like, you know, your work with musical theatre and your training in musical theatre. Would you ever consider doing a play at all?
1: Oh, yeah. I would absolutely love to do a play. I'm kind of at the stage of my career now where I want to do anything and everything, um, and say yes to anything. I've done a great couple of musicals and a couple of films and commercials. And now I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm eager to kind of go into that world if the right thing comes about, you know, I've had a couple of auditions for some plays and stuff, which has been just great to be able to do that and to, to kind of make those connections. But, um, yeah, I'd absolutely love to do a to do a play one day. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've always come across like a really sweet and really approachable guy. Um, what What is Cassius Hackforth like on a bad day?
1: Oh my gosh, <laughs> um, who knows? I, I'm quite. I'm. I my thing is is that I'm uh, very much productive, which is great, but it can, can be quite toxic when I'm not productive. And so I kind of <laughs> this is, I can sometimes kind of get too obsessed about my work and then forget that actually this is. Despite, you know, my work is my passion, but also there are other things that are are important to me. So um, on a bad day, you'd probably see me getting stressed over tiny little things like singing a note flat on a self tape or doing an audition that wasn't great or just having worries about silly things. You know, uh, it's kind of good to just remind myself that the right things will come when they're meant to come and and as long as I'm kind of loving what I'm doing and and working hard then that's that's enough and so I like to kind of relax and bake and um and chill out and you know um yeah have a bath
0: yeah yeah I mean it's such an exciting time for theatre at the moment with loads of exciting announcements but um also a really challenging time for theatre too um where do you see yourself in the next five years or so
1: Mm, wow I mean but if in Five years' time, I'm doing this still, so I'd be really happy, just just generally, you know. Um, I'm working three different jobs at the moment, but if I'm still being an actor, then I'll be really happy. What I really want to go towards now is is more film and TV as well as a theatre, because I've kind of had a newfound passion from doing that tiny little role in, in Indiana Jones and just having a real passion for, for for that type of stuff. So really, if I'm being able to do some little bits of, of of theatre, of screen and stage work, of anything really, that that means I can still be performing. I'll be, I'll be really chuffed. Obviously I've got like goals and and roles and all that type of stuff that I'd love to play, but um, I think I'm just going to keep it to being able to keep on doing this.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. It's been so incredible talking to you. Um, Yeah. How would you finish this sentence? Um, Cassius Hackforth is.
1: Um, Cassius Hackforth is, uh, enthusiastically crazily passionate about what he does and will not stop until (laughs) until he dies probably
0: (laughs) cassius hackford thank you so much for joining us today
1: oh thank you so much thank you for having me